Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here this morning to be renewed by God so that God will send us out as God's agents to change the world. That renewing is by word and by sacrament, but this morning it's not just the bread and wine, it's baptism. We are about to baptize six persons into the body of Christ. And just in terms of full disclosure, I am especially happy that they're all getting baptized, but I'm particularly happy that my granddaughter is about to get baptized. And if you'd like to give to her college fund, mark that on the envelope. (laughs) I'm happy because this is the most important day in their life. This is the sacrament of transformation. As we say in prayer B, this is when we're brought out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. Once I was lost, and now I'm found. So just a quick history. If you remember then in the early church, candidates for baptism waited one to three years studying the scriptures. And at the Easter vigil, the night before Easter, they gathered together. They heard the stories of salvation. And just as the dawn was about to rise, they went into the water and they faced the west and they renounced their old life. And then they turned to the east, to the rising sun, and they made the most important promises that they ever make in their life, which is the promises these folks will make today. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust, not in yourself, not in the stock market, but in his grace and love? And do you promise and follow Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? And then they went through the water of death, which is what will happen today. This is the water of the flood of Noah. This is the water of the Red Sea. And their old self was put to death, and they were raised to the new life. In Christ, they were marked as Christ's own forever and given a new name. That's what we're here for today. So I'm thinking that all of us who are baptized are going to agree to support them by saying we will. So all of you who are baptized, raise your hands. So get ready. You're going you're to promise to support these six persons in their life. And just to remind us as the baptized and to sort of clue in those about to be baptized, I want to just give us a sense of what this life is like as we promise to follow and obey Jesus as our Lord. And to do that, I just want to take the first sentence of this letter, this snippet from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul begins this chapter by saying, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. In the Lord. Because once you're baptized, you don't own your life anymore. Once you are baptized, you are not a free agent, but rather you are connected to Jesus and you have promised to follow him wherever he goes. You are chained 
to his way of being human. You have promised to conform your will to his will. And you think about this, think about Paul for a moment. Paul has this conversion experience. Paul is baptized into the life of Jesus Christ. And suddenly he finds himself ministering to the last people he'd like to deal with. To the very people he persecuted. To the very people that particularly dislike him. He doesn't want to go there, but he goes there because he is now a prisoner in the Lord. As baptized men and women, we need to know that we will go to places we don't want to go, to be with people we don't want to be with, to do things we don't think we can do, because the Lord has commissioned us, has baptized us, has ordered us to do his will and not our will. And we do this because the radical love of Jesus Christ has thawed our hearts and has pushed us to do his work in the world. And we are prisoners of that love. And so today these persons, these six persons, are to go under the water so that the Holy Spirit will be part of their life forever and will empower them to change the world. That's what we're about here. That same spirit will make them prisoners of the Lord of love. And that spirit will beg them, just as Paul begs his hearers to do that work, to lead a life worthy of the calling. You know... As a bishop, I hear so much talk about church growth. I'm not for church decline. But I think we really have, have worried more about numbers when we need to worry about our mission. And I think the world has never needed the church as much as it does today. Because we live in a world of division. We live in a world that focuses on everything that's wrong and has forgotten the goodness of what is right. And if we aren't the ones to bring the world together, who will? If we aren't the ones to stand up and say, we need to have a nation where young black men aren't shot in the street, who will? If we aren't the ones that stand up and say we cannot keep on degrading the planet and expect for our children's children to be able to have a whole earth, who will? We are called to help this country regain a vision of the common good of sacrificing for one another. And if we don't do that as the church, who will? The Lord begs us to lead a life worthy of the calling for which we're baptized because we are prisoners to him. We don't choose this. We are commissioned to do this. We are baptized to do this. Now, I hate to do this, 
not that much, but a little bit. I hate to do this, but I want to get clear about this, and therefore I want to tell the newly baptized and their godparents and their parents and all of the baptized how hard this is. So I want to turn back to a story from the 16th century about some Christians in China who give us a picture of what it means to be a prisoner of the Lord. These early Christian missionaries in the 16th century went to a remote village and they preached the good news. And many of the villagers did become Christians. And the priest there was faithful and did good work, but like all of us, he died. And so eventually, the, those bands of Christians continued to tell the stories, but their life got harder and harder, and their numbers got smaller and smaller. And the non-Christians began to treat them badly. And the Christians got so they were pushed to the edge of the village. They lived in an area of mountains, and these mountains were terraced with gardens going up the mountain, and the Christians were pushed all the way up to the top of the mountain for their garden, but they had to carry water from the bottom to the top. And they struggled with their pails and their buckets as they carried this water up to their highest terrace where their garden was. And one day they realized they were called not to serve themselves, but to serve their brothers and sisters. And they wanted to show these non-Christians what the love of the Lord looks like, what being a prisoner of Christ looks like. And so they prayed and they prayed of the Lord, to the Lord to show them the way. And finally, one of the elder women stood up and said, I know the answer, but you won't like it. The Spirit has told me that we need to get up earlier than we've ever gotten up before. And first, we need to water our neighbor's gardens. We'll start at the first level. We'll water that, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, until we get to our garden at the top of the mountain. When she stopped talking, no one else said a word. It was a terrible idea. It would be exhausting, it would be demeaning, it would be stupid. Their neighbors would think they had gone crazy. But when they prayed, they discovered no one objected. And so the next day before dawn, they started, they got up very early, they started watering the lowest terrace and they moved upward until finally way after dark they got to their top terrace of their own garden to water it. As they went up the mountain the neighbors didn't even go to work because they were so baffled by this behavior they stood and they laughed at these Christians and they jeered at them and they mocked them. The second week the neighbors still gathered to watch them but they were watching in silence. No one ridiculed the Christians. No one threw stones. At the end of the week, a child about 10 years old joined them in carrying the water up the mountain to water all the terraces. In the third week, a few more people 
joined them. And as the weeks wore on, more and more people joined them so that the whole village began to water everyone's garden. It took six months for the villagers to realize the Christians weren't just doing a drive-through, but they had converted to a new way of being a community. And then they came to pray with them. And then they came to hear the stories of Jesus with them. And then they came to be baptized, to follow one Lord, one faith, one baptism, to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Within a few years, the whole village was baptized. Four centuries later, four centuries later, when missionaries came to this village, they discovered the village was still Christian. But they called themselves water carriers. And they told the missionaries that Christians were people who watered other people's gardens first and then invited them to water their own and to have the bread and the wine. My brothers and sisters, the Lord of love speaks to us the way he spoke to Paul, the way he spoke to these 16th century Christians, and he says to us, I beg you, to lead a life worthy of the calling you have been given as baptized people, as prisoners of the Lord. Amen.